I'm Michael Sheridan, Director of Sourcing and Sustainability at Intelligentsia Coffee, and this is a buyer's notebook. Our buyer's notebooks are stories about our coffees and the words of the buyers themselves. Today we have a special episode of the buyer's notebook talking about the Intelligentsia iMarks. You may have noticed if you've been to our coffee bars or visited our websites that our coffees have perennial names. The Rwanda Zuricana, the Colombia Tres Santos, Every origin where we source has its own name, and we're here today to, with Jeff Watts, Vice President for Coffee, and the idea man behind most of those iMarks uh, to understand where they come from. So, Jeff, can you explain uh, where the iMarks come from? No, the names themselves have, each of them has their own story, uh, but the concept was something that we brought out uh, because really wanted to find a way to talk about everything that happens uh, with the curation of the coffee and to describe uh, and represent the work that goes into the development of coffee quality from the beginnings of a DT project and, and the work that we start to do with farmers through till all of the work that happens in the lab during the lot building, during the vetting of coffees and evaluation of coffees, the assembly of different lots, uh, the receipt and allocation of lots, the careful roasting of them. Uh, as you know, there's so many different steps and variables involved with quality, and there's not a straight line between uh, a handful of, of climate and environment uh, variables and, and processing variables on a farm to a delicious cup of coffee. Uh, there's a lot of different things that happen as filters uh, between the the seed and the cup, as it were. And, you know, there were some, some projects that we were working on. Uh, in particular, a great example is, is Copa Dota uh, in Costa Rica. They're a cooperative that's been in business for uh, many decades. They produce uh, a lot of coffee. We buy a, a small fraction of it. And the work that we've done with them over the past 15 years has been very explicit and very specific. Uh, we've worked since day one to develop uh, quality with them, to work with them to identify individual farms within their system, uh, to develop um, protocols around handling micro lots of coffee, and building larger lots from as an assembly pro construction process from uh, a number of smaller lots. And we've done this deliberate work over many years to, to, to develop the kind of quality that we have now. Um, but simply calling the coffee Cota, Copa Dota or, um, or Teretsu would not uh, indicate uh, or really reflect all of this work that happens in order to create this specific coffee. So the, the, you know, the origin of the iMark was an attempt to bring a different kind of specificity to every coffee uh, that we sell and create uh, a means of referencing not just the individual farm, but all of the work that happens um, over a period of time, over years, between us and that particular farm uh, so that the, the iMark, in a very real way, is 
a means of referencing the partnership. So you, you've spoken a little bit to the idea of curation, and the eye marks mm-hmm. are a signal of the curation that happens in an intentional way from seed to cup uh-huh. with our involvement and through partnership. But each name is so different and expressive, and I wondered if there's any specific or uh, consistent way you've gone about over the years naming the coffees. Names are important, right? And we know that names, they, they carry a lot of significance. They, uh, we develop emotional attachment to them. And because these projects, each one of them is so emotionally uh, charged for us and, and is the result of a lot of uh, sustained effort over a long time, and each of these farms and our relationship with them is, is special, we really wanted to make sure that the, the names that we come up with to, to reference this, this unique relationship and, and this cumulative um, impact of, of development work over time and curation is also uh, meaningful and special. Each name is, uh, is charged with some kind of uh, meaning that, it, that attaches to the place uh, or to the people. So I'll give you a good example of, of how a name, an iMark, comes about. Uh, sometimes the inspiration for the name is, uh, c- may come from a, an unusual place. or a, um, um, In the case of, of our El Salvador mark, Los Inmortales, that one, uh, the inspiration came while we were just finishing up a buying trip in, in Brazil and had jumped over to... Buenos Aires for a couple days to Doug and I were walking along the sidewalk down one of the streets near the uh, near the harbor and we saw a little bar with a sign outside that said Los Inmortales and uh, and the name registered it stuck uh, it had a, a certain cadence to it and a, and a feel and when I got back to the states I started thinking about El Salvador and, and really what made the relationships we had unique there, what made those farms unique. And there's one thing that differentiates the Salvadorian estates we work with from just about all the other coffees we buy, and that is history and time. Uh, a couple of those farms, Malacara and Matalapa, have operations that date back to the 1800s. And they're, they're multi-generation farms that have been uh, producing coffee, and not just coffee, but quality coffee, have been in the quality game for well over a century. Uh, and that is, uh, it's an impressive thing when you step back and think about it, and it's also uh, exciting and unique. And we felt that the the name Los Inmortales really reflected this idea of endurance and the, uh, these champion producers who uh, who withstand the test of time and continue through a lot of changing landscapes producing uh, exceptional coffees. So uh, the eye marks are always a signal of the curation of the process. Um, they often come from or are tied to a strong sense of place or people or history or some combination of them. Um, in this case, the case of Los Inmortales, it's you and Doug walking in Buenos Aires in a way that is totally disembodied and disconnected from the farm, uh, but it's a name that's resonant in many different ways. This is a very layered kind of meaning that you're, you're talking about. Um, are there other 
cases in which the name is more tied to the individuals uh, producing the coffee? La Tortuga <laughs> is one that we chose to represent the work we were doing in, in uh, Honduras with the Caballeros. And you know, sometimes these connections, they, they almost seem like they were destined. Um, the name came about because at the time, this was 2003, 2004, and Honduras really had not yet landed on the specialty map. It was a, a producing country in Central America that had uh, really been standing outside, peering in, when you compare its positioning to uh, some of its neighbors like Guatemala um, or uh, more famous coffee-producing areas in Central America like um, Costa Rica. Even Nicaragua had, had taken some steps into the specialty um, landscape, and Honduras was, was sort of the one that had gotten left behind. And it, um, having spent a couple years there, and seen what the potential looked like, and seen just how much um, coffee of of great pedigree, these you know, old varieties, tipicas and bourbons, are growing at extreme altitudes and climate conditions that lend themselves to extreme quality. You could see that that Honduras was a country whose time would come and would come soon. And when the Caballeros had uh, such a success in the early Cup of Excellence competitions, it was proof positive that Honduras had really landed. And it, it made me think of the story of the, the tortoise and the hare. Uh, you know, the, the slow and steady approach ultimately does um, get, you, um, get you ahead, get you where you want to go. And you know, I'd been thinking about the name La Tortuga for Honduras as a, a great mark to stand as a symbol for the, the country and where it was going. But when I, I got to the Caballero's farm for the first time, we pulled up with Don Fabio in the truck and uh, got out of the car, and the first thing I saw was this little fountain. And when I walked over to it and looked down, what did I see but a bunch of turtles? And uh, it all seemed like... It had been predestined that uh, this coffee would, would go under the name, fly under the name La Tortuga. Uh, so sometimes things, the names generate themselves like that. Or, uh, it, it almost seems like you just have to, have to call it that. Karimi is a, another example of a name that came about because of um, and a, a connection with a specific person or place. And this happened in the... Uh, when we were just developing our first real um, DT project in Ethiopia, and I'd been working with a newly associated cooperative group just outside of Yergachefe town, and I was there for a couple days hanging out, sorting through parchment on the tables with, uh, with some of the farmers and the workers there, and we began to uh, fixate on the seeds themselves, the different um, shapes and sizes of, of coffee parchment, and I was trying to get a sense of just how many different individual types were being harvested and, and put together there, and what was growing in the area predominantly. So we, we spent, uh, spent a good deal of time just organizing and sorting out individual shapes and sizes of different types of parchment uh, on a big white sheet of paper next to the drying bed. 
Uh, I asked the group of farmers there if there were names for each of them, and I was expecting that maybe there wouldn't be, uh, but there sure were. They had a lot of names for a bunch of the different types, and, and I asked them what they thought the best was, and uh, three of them at once said, Kurumi, it's this one, uh, and they pointed to it, and it was this long, pointy-ended coffee seed, and, and I asked them why they thought it was the best, and, and they said, well, that's that's one of the the old ones, and that's the one that, that we feel the most attachment to, and, and anecdotally, they, they felt it had the best quality, and so decided to call the, the iMark Kurumi after, after this heirloom variety that uh, but when I got back, I started saying it, Kurumi, Kurumi. And, and, you know, you think about this bag sitting on a shelf. You think about when people pronounce it and they, they look at it, they see it through the lens of type of pronunciation that they're accustomed to. And if you, you look at it through an American lens and you see the Kurumi, uh, a lot of people might might say Kurumi. I didn't really like the idea that it would it would... We'd have a coffee uh, that was so beautiful, <laughs> and we pouring all this work into, and we wanted to hold up on a pedestal as an example of, of the best that there was, and that it would it would be named Crummy. We decided to take a little shortcut and um, and change the U to an I. We made it Creamy, which sounds a lot, a lot like creamy, and made a lot of sense at the time. So the curation aspect you talk about um, also has a practical element, doesn't it? As we've talked about um, our smallholder sourcing operations in places like Columbia, where uh, it's probably our most robust smallholder sourcing program where we source from uh, individual single farm lots and then community lots from three or four different regions in the country. Um, how does the IMARC work in that context? In some countries, uh, especially a place like Columbia, we're working with so many different producers now, lots of individual producers from different regions. And um, we reached a point midway through our, you know, or really pretty early on in our sourcing, the development of the sourcing program, where we had a growing list of coffees on the menu at all times. Sometimes we'd have 20 different coffees. And we looked at what we were doing in Colombia specifically and saw that we had um, over the course of a year, we might have 25 or 30 different individual small lots of coffee that pass through our hands. And we, we realized that part of the goal that we have in um, presenting quality and presenting coffee to, to our customers is we do want to have repeatability. We want to allow people the opportunity to form attachments to particular coffee profiles and, and get to know them. You know, we're, we're creatures of habit a lot of times, and we we love to find things that we love and then hold on to them and and cherish them. And, and sometimes what we love most is to be able to go back to the things that we've already established uh, that we like. And, you know, with coffees, we know that there's a dynamism and a fluidity. Uh, there's There's individual difference between all these coffees, but it can be such a fleeting thing. Sometimes we'll have a coffee that we have on the menu for two weeks. Right on its heels is another coffee from the same community or from the same uh, region, sometimes even from the same farm, a different lot. Um, And we want to be able to allow for uh, people to fall in love with the taste and 
and be able to come back three months later and find that uh, find that taste again. And so when we are buying coffees uh, under a, a banner like Tres Santos, we're specifically looking to to hit a number of different sensory targets and and find coffees that will deliver consistently a, an experience that um, is, while it has individual nuance and while uh, it may it may change a little bit over over the course of months as we cycle through lots, uh, its its essence is intact, its core and spirit is intact, and the mark uh, sort of stands for that. Is there a tension there? Because the direct trade model is built on this idea of radical transparency. And you, we have this system where we have in Colombia, for example, lots of smallholder lots uh, that are presented under a single unifying eye mark. Um, are, we, are we trading anything off there uh, in terms of transparency by developing these eye marks and presenting lots of different lots under the same brand name? I'm glad you asked that question because that's a question that uh, has come up from internally our own baristas would ask uh, would ask me about the purpose of an iMark uh, and whether or not it somehow was incompatible with the idea of extreme transparency in presenting these coffees and um, the answer is that it's it's not incompatible at all in fact it's it's an enabler um, we'd run into this uh, we've been having this experience of putting all these coffees up on the shelf next to each other with with uh, farmer names that end up bleeding together a little bit over time and um, and made it they presented some kind of a barrier there's this invisible barrier between uh, the customer and and the coffee because there wasn't something that they could could latch onto and, and use as a handle uh, to to open the door into that world and, and into that coffee. And we found that once we started putting the, the iMark names on, it actually, it, it served exactly a, that purpose, to be a, a porthole or a vehicle to draw more customers in to, um, to connect with the coffee. And in fact, the, the name itself just stands as a symbol. Uh, but once you open the door, you see all of the farm detail that you could ever want uh, on the bags and the info sheets. So it's um, it really is the best way to think about it is as a, a handle to a door uh, that you walk through and uh, you find yourself in a room full of intimate detail and everything you could ever want to know about the, the individual coffee. With each new iMark coffee release in 2017. We'll be uh, beginning our buyer's notebooks with descriptions or explanations of the origins of each iMark. Uh, but to close out here today, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and see if you can name all of our iMarks in 60 seconds or less. Wow. All right. <laughs> we got La Perla de Oaxaca from Mexico. We have uh, Flecha Roja from Costa Rica. Itamna, formerly known as El Cuervo from Guatemala. That's a good story by itself. Uh, Los Inmortales from El Salvador, the, the currently defunct but maybe someday to be resurrected Flor Azul from Nicaragua. Uh, we have La Tortuga, and we have the defunct but also uh, waiting in the wings El Machete from Panama, Tres Santos from Colombia, uh, Cruz del Sur from Peru, Angelanaca from 
Bolivia, Zirikana from Rwanda, uh, Karienda from Burundi, we have Karimi from Ethiopia, we have Kungamaitu from Kenya, we have uh, Agua Preta from Brazil. What am I missing? Am I missing any? Oh, Bosque Nublado, yeah, from uh, Ecuador. Oh, well, so Zambia. In Zambia. Um, Karizi. No, Karizi was the old, that was the old uh, Burundi. Burundi. That's right. Prior to Karienda. E Karizi, which we liked because it kind of sounded like crazy. <laughs> Did you say Karienda? Yeah. Oh, Lejulu Lepati. Yeah, that was the missing one. How do you do? Oh, wait, and there's another defunct one that I... A bong a bong. <laughs> I forget the old uh, uh, Indonesian mark, a bong a bong. And how many, you're a uh, well-known music lover and uh, avid music fan. How many of these have some musical tie? <laughs> At least. Uh, <laughs> uh, a bong a bong sounds like that's <laughs> percussive right there. <laughs> well, uh, the most direct line to music is the karienda. Um the other ones, they all they all have a little bit of a, a musical tie because you know, phonetics uh, do uh, do weigh into our decision making. Uh, the musicality of the name itself is is something that uh, beyond the, the actual um, semantic importance, uh, the sound really does matter a lot when we're making decisions about what to call these coffees because they should be fun to say and they should be memorable. And they should uh, they should roll off the tongue, because ultimately they they stand in front of um, the coffee as both a, a beacon that invites you to come in and 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 explore the coffee, get to know the coffee. Yeah. So they they need to be inviting, but they also uh, need to be memorable. We think long and hard about every, even though some sometimes the genesis of a few of these eye marks might seem like it came from a silly place. Uh, or accidentally, uh, there's a lot of thought and intention that goes into the selection because we know that the name itself is a, a it's symbolic uh, and it it's one of the things that the person drinking the coffee incorporates and attaches to their experience. We want them to to walk away uh, with that name bouncing around in their head. And, and to remember it next time they come. Well, thanks, Jeff, for explaining the eye marks. Uh, we'll revisit them with each new buyer's notebook in 2017. Thank you, Andy, for editing and producing this episode. <laughs>